0: This is Susanna McMonagall, and you're listening to Season 2 of the 5 to 8 Shift Podcast for Parents. The 5 to 8 Shift podcasting community exists to educate, inspire, and encourage parents throughout their own parenthood and family life adventure. Here, we talk about all the things impacting parents today, everything from health to big emotions, toddlers to teenagers, faith, self-care, stress, and so much more. We know parenting is tough work, but family life is worth every ounce of effort. We're building a community of parents to remind you that you're not alone. Family is one of life's greatest adventures. I look forward to cheering you on in your own 5 to 8 shift. It's the most important shift of the day. y'all welcome to another episode of the five to Eight shift this is Susanna I have a great episode lined up today but first I wanted to say I hope your summer is off to a great start I know a lot of schools out there are already off for the summer and some are getting off this week and some are um you know ending soon and so I hope you are excited about spending time with your family and breaking that routine and doing some adventures and um you know, I had a woman, uh, literally, she was sitting next to me in church on Sunday, and it's literally the middle of the sermon, and she says, give me your give me your paper, because I take notes in church. And here, she writes down, she says, I know you're always looking for fun family activities. She literally writes this down, because it's church, and you're supposed to be quiet, And she writes down all these cool summer things. She writes down camping. There's um, a a railroad close to us. And she said, take the kids on a railroad, Um, the Colebrook Railroad. She said, it's really fun. She said camping. She listed a whole slew of other activities. And I was like, this is awesome. This is the kind of content that I'm looking for. So I don't know if she listens to this podcast regularly or just, you know, overheard me talking or we small chat at church or whatever. But If you do listen, hey, thanks for that list. And I'm gonna do everything basically that you put on there. And so I hope you guys are getting your list ready to do some fun things this summer. And so let me tell you about Louise Bagelman, who is my guest today on episode 54. Cannot believe we have 54 episodes. Louise founded a nonprofit organization called Story Shares, and I love the work that she's doing. And I said to her, you know, a lot of people have ideas like this, and so few make them happen. And I was like, I'm so proud of you, you're doing great work. And so Story. Shares is an organization that writes books that provides books, they have writing contests. If you're listening to this and you're a budding writer, this might be a great opportunity for you to get some of your work out there. But they write books at a lower reading level. So maybe like a first, second, third grade reading level. But with topics and interests, if you uh, or your child would be maybe in like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And so the idea here is there's a lot of underrepresented populations who are falling behind in their literacy. And we do not have books that interest them. And therefore, because we don't have books that they can read, you know, it's like asking a sixth grader to read, uh, you know, Green Eggs and Ham not something they're interested in so she put together this entire organization that writes books at a lower literacy level with interest levels for those middle school kids and it's just it's a fascinating story it's a great idea there's millions of people in the United States who can't read who fall behind for a number of reasons and so we you know we unpack all that we talk about why what role do parents play what role do schools play how can you help your community how can you help somebody in your community how can you maybe help your own kid if you find where can you learn about story shares and so i know you guys are gonna love this quick episode with louise bagelman and i hope it inspires you to think about kids in your community think about your own public library and whether we have the resources that are diverse and compelling and meet the needs of your community and so i love the work louise is doing i know you guys are gonna love it too so i'm gonna leave you with that enjoy episode 54 As always, if you want to support this podcast, you can share with your friends in real life and on your socials, and you can leave us a review on Apple and Spotify. Thanks for being here, guys. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the five to eight shift uh, with Susanna McMonagle. I'm excited that you're here today. I have a great guest who I have been emailing with for quite some time. And I'm so glad that we finally got some time on the calendar to chat. So I'm going to let her kick off with a little introduction for us. So this is Louise Bagelman. And Louise, why don't you start off and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Great. Um,
1: Hi, everybody. I'm Louise Bagelman, and thank you so much, Susanna, for having me on your show. Um, I am a teacher by training. I um, taught reading and writing and um, English as a second language, and I am now um, running a company called Shares, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to engaging older students who struggle with reading and are still working to improve their reading skills. Um, I, I live in the Philadelphia area with my husband and two little kids, and I'm really
0: excited to chat with you today. Awesome. Yeah, you know, not many of my guests are actually from Philadelphia. So it's kind of fun to have another local girl on the show. All right, so um, let's talk about story shares. I think this is such an interesting concept. And to be honest with you, it's not something I've seen before, which is probably why you got into this line of work. So um, start a little bit about kind of like where this idea came from. And then like how you made it happen, because that's also like my shark tank question, you know, like people have great ideas or see problems, but not everybody has the like the execution wherewithal to like make it happen. And you you did. So tell us about like the journey, if you will. Thank you. Yeah, so I um started
1: story shares based on an initial experience that I had as a classroom teacher. Um, So I was working with middle school students, they were anywhere from 10 to 14 um, that were interested in the things that middle schoolers were interested in. They had mature interests and they wanted to, you know, read about and learn about students who reminded them of themselves. Um, But they were most of them were recent immigrants from Haiti or the Dominican Republic. And so they were reading far below their grade level. Um, And what that meant was that I couldn't find enough books to offer them that were actually readable, that they could comprehend, but also enjoyable um, and engaging for them. And so I, I thought that this was one of the big issues standing in the way of these students um, practicing their reading, which is the required piece of becoming a stronger so reader. So just
0: like their literacy level, there there wasn't anything interesting. Exactly, exactly. So if you're,
1: you know, books that are written for first graders, um, feature first grade characters, and they often have cartoon animals and, um, but if you're an eighth grader reading at a first grade level, you don't want to read hop on pop, you know, no. you need to have something that engages you with what you're interested in. And so that's this
0: gap in the current literature. Yeah. You know, and I was thinking about you in preparing for this. So my daughter's in kindergarten and we do the book in a bag program. So she brings a little book home every night, Monday through Thursday, and it's been awesome. But I'm like, these are great for five and six year olds. And these would not be very interesting to some of the students you're trying to reach, like without question. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And that's the thing about reading. You know, we know it, you know, as fluent readers, we sort of, Um, sometimes take for granted what goes into reading, but we also know as readers that what we read is what we're interested in. You know, we don't if if I'm given a long scientific article about something, I I don't really engage in reading it. And um, but if I'm given, you know, like a crime novel, I'll I'll love to read it. And so the students are the same way. They don't, you have to actually find some inherent relevance in what they're reading in order
0: to spend time doing it, which is what they need to do to improve. So, and then, okay, so you see this need and then what did you do from there? Yeah. So then
1: um, kind of a lucky next phase circumstance, I ended up working in New York City um, at a family foundation and this family foundation was also um, interested in this gap, this issue of older students reading at lower levels um, from a slightly different angle. It was from the learning disabilities angle. They were interested in the students who maybe have dyslexia or some other um, learning attention challenge that therefore end up in the same boat of, you know, 10th grader reading at a third grade level. And so um, while I was at the foundation, we got the chance to do an experiment, um, a project, which was intended to. Um, assess whether we could get more great books created for older students who are reading at lower levels. Um, and so, what we did was we launched a writing contest, and uh, we did this big awareness campaign where we tried to reach out to every you know writer group, writer program, teacher programs, um, and said we need more content according to these guidelines. Um, and we you know we created incentives which are cash prizes, and then we. We did a big call for submissions, and we ended up with hundreds of um, submissions that first contest, many of which were really amazing stories that hit, you know, hit it on the head as far as you know, 16-year-old characters dealing with teenage drama, but written at a first grade level. Um, and so that first contest was the proof point that yeah. then became Story Shares.
0: Yeah. I, um, were you surprised at how well received the program was? Yeah, I think we all were. It was
1: um, it was unclear, and it still is to people kind of conceptually. Can you write a book for a high schooler at a first grade level, right? And yeah. so, um, so that was a question. And then are we going to be able to reach the writers or teachers who mm-hmm. would be interested in contributing this kind of content? Um, so we really didn't know. And we were really surprised by the just the sheer interest in contributing content. And I, I used to um, talk about the journalism degree because as a college major, journalism is the most kind of underutilized after gra- ad- graduation, sure, yeah. Um, which means there's all these, you know, all these writers out there who want readers, they want an audience, they want to create content and share it with the world. And um, the current publishing field is sort of um it's challenging to break yeah. into and it so is. we gave them an alternate path and and um they were excited by it
0: so that is that, that's really fun and it's a really like yeah from the writer's perspective it's a great opportunity and you have me thinking how big um, like how big is this issue? How, like, do you know some of the, like, how bad is literacy, like in our country, in our cities, in our school districts? Um, like how prevalent of a problem are you seeing this?
1: Yeah. So it's a great question. Um, it's a surprisingly massive problem. So, um, I think the number globally is 774 million people lack key literacy skills. Um, and in the U.S., it's different numbers from different sources, anywhere from 50 to 90 million, um, in adults. And so, because if you think about who is struggling with reading, um, it's a lot of different populations that end up having a similar issue, which is if you're an English language learner, you know, if you're a multilingual learner, if you, um, living in a low income environment where you haven't had the access to the books or to the reading instruction, um, also, like another piece of our of our puzzle here is diverse representation. Is making sure that these books are not only accessible, but also that they are featuring main characters um, in authentic ways that are you know aligned with underrepresented populations as well, because they're one of the big audiences who tends to struggle with reading.
0: Yeah, you know, and I took a screenshot of <laughs> your your um, one of your YouTube videos. I think, and you talked about so like. I just now, obviously I'm a college professor, yada, yada, yada. But like now that I have a child who's learning to read and I, I'm really seeing it firsthand how you could be at such a disadvantage if you aren't, aren't getting that training. Right. And like you guys in your video, you talked about kids who can't read, they have low self-esteem. You said they typically have poor performance, which I'm sure is not surprising and then you just talked about like inability inability to like to vote to find work to secure housing and i just thought about like some of these like really basic things that set young people up for success like literally like being able to read a job application yeah and not and then your self-esteem goes down even more because exactly and i just feel like it's 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 um it's more than just reading right Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Reading is a
1: really deeply foundational skill for so much of learning and just existing, you know, like we we use reading for almost everything and some levels. And so, yeah, so and we know what it feels like to be. Um, You know, in a new country, not speaking that language like that feeling of um, it's vulnerable right to be not able to communicate and, and that's similar to, to reading here is if you're in high school and you can't read and the people around you can like think about how much that impacts you. Um, And then, yeah, when you think about the cycle of the whole thing is one of the key pieces, we talk so much about early literacy and it's true, it's crucial, but early literacy relies on literate parents.
0: Yeah, it does. So if
1: you can't read, then your child is also not getting that foundational basis to set them up for success. And so it can, yeah.
0: You know, a couple of weeks ago, I had um, Stephanie Dua on, I don't know if you know her, but she founded the Homer app um it's kind of like a abc mouse kind of thing but it's it's really geared towards like the three to six year old because she did a lot of work in new york city and she worked with the public education the new york public education fund and she said the gap like parents underestimate how much they can actually influence and she's like and we just have this population where they don't have either engaged parents or they just don't have, uh, you know, a loving grown up who's helping them. She's like, and the gap is so huge. Yeah. And she's like, you know, we're trying to figure it all out. But she ended up creating this app to help kids before they got to kindergarten because she said sometimes at kindergarten, it's really tough to catch up the people who are most behind. It was it was such an interesting interview, and it sounds like she works with a lot of the same. populations and she just had this heart for you know this basic literacy is such a foundation to you know living a successful life yeah
1: I think they say it's like a million words that they enter kindergarten behind like that low-income students can enter kindergarten a million words behind and you know you have a, a kindergartner and I have an almost kindergartner and it's I it's I can't even Grasp that he knows a million words, but yeah. there's it's, it's such a—it's just—it's a, a fundamental, fundamental gap for everything else. Um, and you know, once you hit fifth and sixth grade, especially, you have to read in every subject. You have yeah. to read in order to do your science homework. You have to read in order to complete yeah. word problems in math. And so, so then it just starts to deteriorate across the board without those basic skills.
0: You know, and you have me thinking about one more thing. Stephanie said she said somewhere around third grade. So she's like, kindergarten, first, second, at least she was talking about some of the New York City schools. You're, compre- you're, um, you're, you're learning reading comprehension. You're just learning about the words. But she said in third grade, the school yes. systems are set up where you're reading to comprehend. Exactly. And she's like, people think we lose a lot of people in kindergarten. She's like, we actually lose them in that third grade because... Their literacy, they 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 can they can't comprehend, they can't put this yeah. in, you know, and it's just exactly. it's heartbreaking. Exactly. And um, and that's actually kind of the, the where the story
1: shares comes in because when we do talk about literacy and just it's more intuitive to the idea of learning to read and teaching reading to younger kids, right? Our yeah. school systems basically teach it through third grade, and then you you are assumed that you can read and you're gonna use that to then access all the new information um you're going to learn and so so there's not as much of a focus on teaching reading in fourth grade fifth grade sixth grade seventh grade eighth grade and beyond um and so and and the books aren't created for that kind of mismatch and so that's what we're 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 focused on that area you know there's all this push for make sure students are on grade level by third grade right the campaign for grade level reading but what if they're not then who's helping them and that's where we come in
0: yeah yeah so tell me about like one of the things I wanted to ask you is, um, what could be some of the reasons why this would be important to have in schools? Like, I, you know, like, do you mostly work with individuals or schools or public libraries? Like, tell me a little bit about how you're partnering with each of those.
1: Yeah. So, um, with with schools, we work with schools. So we, um, you know, distribute our books through many different channels um, to schools and to classrooms um, uh, directly to, um, to libraries, which we're actually just beginning a big sort of library distribution to get our books into libraries, because we've partnered with a a library wholesaler who says that like librarians everywhere are constantly asking for this content, which is traditionally called high low, okay, high interest, okay. low literacy. Um, and we're trying to sort of reinvent, the associations with it um but that it's a huge need everywhere and so we're about to do a big library um distribution push and then you know there's the parent angle too over the summer for summer reading trying to you know engage parents to get the books into the hands of of readers um we we're hearing that it is not a gap that's been filled still and so that's why we want to you know, continue running these contests to develop more and more and more books, so that there's so many different choices at every intersection of interest
0: level and 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 reading level. So now, how often do you run the contests for writing new books with Story Shares? So
1: we are doing them right now on an annual schedule. So okay. once a year, um, we we closed our last contest this February, and we just announced the winners um, last oh, month. Fun. And- it was really exciting. It, it was our fifth contest to date um, and we received 1,500 submissions um, and it's the first time that we received them from truly all over the world. Um, one so of the big impressive. pieces. Yeah, thank you. It was really exciting. Um, one of the big pieces for us also is wanting to make sure to have lots of different voices um, represented through these yeah. stories. And and you said earlier, and it's true that it's actually an impact for the writers, um as well especially some of these international writers who it's a huge deal to you know get published um to a collection of books um which is what we do and so the next contest we've just decided is going to launch it in october and run through the end of the year so we are about to start gearing up for that um, which is a really fun awareness campaign
0: in general absolutely absolutely So. What can do you have any like tips or takeaways that you could give parents, either about like, like when do parents start to look for these resources like are there usually problems at school or, you know, like, where can a parent step in and be really impactful in this process. Initially, um.
1: You might hear from your child's teacher if they're struggling with reading um, at school, they'll often assess their reading level and give you a sense of where they are relative to their peers or the standards for that grade Um, and. If if your child is struggling with reading and has fallen behind, you can also start to understand by working with the teacher um, what, you know, the breakdown is, whether it's a um, decoding thing, which is, you know, are they having trouble with the phonics and and sounding out the letters, the awareness, um, or have they mastered that already, which my students had, they could actually read fluently and they sounded fluid when they read sentences, but, but haven't developed the comprehension skills and strategies um, to actually make meaning from the text that they're reading. And so, um, or is it fluency? Is it that they're so focused on decoding those words Mm -hmm. that they're not actually stringing them together into a phrase, and therefore they're having trouble kind of grasping them as a concept. Um, So, you know, depending on where they struggle, there's different um, resources and strategies, but our story shares comes in with the book choices you can use to practice. Um, And so what that means is once you've identified the student's level, you can find a book that meets that exactly and also aligns with the things that they care about. Um, So at home, it starts with their interests. You know, what what do your children like? And if they're not into reading, just find a book on the topics they like and use those as choices that can
0: kind of engage them. So right now, people so like how can they access these books let's say it's not in their local library yet or it's not in their school how can they um how can they get some of these books or look at the options anyway
1: yeah so we have um books available through amazon as paperbacks you can order with amazon prime free shipping um we're actually about to launch in just a week or two, um, a paperback, uh, paperbacks that give back campaign. So for every paperback that is bought through the store, um, we'll also be giving a paperback to one of the readers who needs it. Um, and so that's one of the ways. And then the other is if on our website, which is www.storyshares.org, Um, you can, go to our digital library page, which has about 50 books that are totally free, and you can read the full books online with a free account. Um, Or there's um, 300 more that you can access if you sign up for a premium account through the website. Um, So lots of
0: different ways to read these books. Yeah, you know, and you have me thinking too, Louise, about like, I'm going back to like my um, low self-esteem, you know, comment that earlier. I also think if like think about it think about like if you have like a fifth or sixth grader and they're being sent home these like sh- like kitty books they're probably embarrassed just to be seen with those books so totally. they're probably, yeah so they're probably yeah. like i would rather not even have that than yeah. then learn to read like like they you exactly. know at that age you don't understand the ramifications but i mean would
1: you agree yeah. with that Hundred percent, hundred percent. Especially in middle school, like there's no one more self-conscious than a middle schooler, right? And and it is embarrassing if if your friends are reading, you know, the Hunger Games, and and yeah. you have Clifford, um, you don't want to be seen doing that. And so that alone, yeah, you would absolutely be more willing to just. Because you're not even reading it anyway. And even if you are, you're not enjoying it. So that's where the kind of learned helplessness comes in. I can't read this. I don't want to read this. I don't want to be seen reading this. So yeah. what's the point? Whereas, it, And what we've seen from our pilot studies in schools is that if you have that same student who is a reluctant reader and who has negative associations with it, but you give them an, an accessible book, which means just one that they can read the sentences and, and know what's going on, then that student can be hooked by that one book. And that's the power of this model is, is that, you know, there's a lot of reading instruction programs and there's a lot of strategies, but, but our philosophy is if you find one book that you can read and that you connect with, and then you love it, then that changes
0: your entire association with, with books and with reading. And that starts you on the right path. No, I mean, you cannot underestimate one book. You really yeah. can't, especially yeah. like in middle school, they probably have a lot of books or materials like in school. Like if they're not good at school, maybe they don't like it as much. So they start to associate, you know, all these things I don't like to do. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. I think it's, it literally takes one book to change a child's mind about. And then and then they build confidence, right? Yes, And then they exactly. feel like they can take on the next book. Exactly. And that, and that's where the cycle shifts. Then And then they
1: they're reading. And then all of a sudden, you know, and it's not, it, it's not all of a sudden in that sense, but as they practice, they are strengthening their skills and their confidence. So one day they pick up a, a bigger book, you know, and one of our pieces is around scaffolding. It's not about oversimplifying content so that these students don't develop the skills to read more complex things. It's just about scaffolding. So as you, you know, master this book, you can go up a, a level and you can continue to improve until all of a sudden you're reading the same books that
0: your peers are. Is that what scaffolding means? Define that for me.
1: Yeah. So scaffolding is, you know, identifying their, their level, Mm -hmm. um, their, you know, that's called zone of proximal development. Like what is the, Level that they can read at that's not too easy, and then having options um, at each ascending level so that as the, if I finish a book that's at around a you know second grade reading level, then I can read one that's close to the end of the second grade reading level, and then I can read one that's at a third grade reading level. And so in doing that, um, I'm taking on a little bit more difficult text and a little bit more complex yeah. content, but I'm able to because I'm doing it in more of a like step by
0: step way. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So I wanted to, um, ask you and sort of close out here. Do you, number one, you're obviously passionate about this, but I wonder if you have like any success stories that you could share with us, either, um, specific kids or families or like schools who've like seen this program, like really impact kids positively. Yeah. So, uh, it's- one
1: of the best parts of, of you know this work is hearing from teachers and parents who have, who have had an experience transformational experience um, with a, a reader because of one of our books. So we've had some amazing um, feedback. We, one of my favorite stories is about a student who um, read a book and and it starts with the, the student. In the book saying I did something bad last year but i'm not going to tell you what it was and. um, And the the author never reveals what it was, and this was a student who was a struggling reader and and a struggling writer in seventh grade and but he was he loved that book so much that he was just dead set on finding out what that kid had done (laughs) that was so bad. And so he ended up um, he wrote his own prequel to the story. So he went in during his own recess and worked with his teacher on his prequel to tell the story of what it was he had done that was so bad. Oh, my gosh. Um, Yeah. So that's like the full, you know, the full transformation from a non reader to a writer who is publishing their own book. And we um, he, he was able to publish that on, on our site and we also had the author who's involved um, more broadly write a prequel as well. So we ended up kind that's of really able, fun. There's a lot of creative angles um, coming out of it. And I would just one more story like that is my my fifth graders who were the ones who originally inspired this. Um, a lot of them just graduated college this month. Oh, um, so wow. Yeah. Wow. That's really, <laughs> really cool. Yeah, and one of uh, one of the, my students who um, was from Haiti and um, was a little bit of a struggling reader in fifth grade, um, she she was someone who once we we sort of explained some of those concepts and gave her some good books, she had that aha moment and she became a stronger reader. And uh, she just graduated a week ago uh, from college. So oh
0: amazing! Yeah. That literally gives me chills. You know, I just there's so. You know, sometimes I think some of these kids, they just, they need somebody to believe that that they can do it. Right. Yes, And take the time and find a resource that matches what they need. And so I, I'm just, I love this work, Louise. I think it's so important and I hope it grows and I hope more people, you know, um, find it earlier in the process. Cause you think about being in fourth grade versus sixth or seventh, you know, and building that self-esteem and that self-confidence in middle school. And so this has been so interesting. So I wanna close here with how can people connect with you? How can they learn more about this? Where do you, I don't know if you guys share information regularly, like tell us how people um, can learn more about this and maybe bringing it to their communities. Yeah, so
1: um, our website is storieshares.org. Um, and you can find more information there. You can also reach out to me directly. Um, if you're interested, it's louise at Storyshares.org. Um, we are always looking for new partners, whether that's school partners um, or other you know, reading platforms that need new kinds of content. So um, please reach out to us if you're interested in connecting. And thank you so much. This has
0: been fun. Yeah, it has been fun. All right. I think that's it for me. Um, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for doing this work. And thank you for just like, you know, taking a chance on a new, you know, organization and helping kids. And I honestly believe you're gonna change a lot of lives, Louise. This is awesome. Thanks for listening in today. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Be sure to share with us on Instagram what you liked most about the episode by tagging me at Susanna.McMonigle. And lastly, if you want more information about the 5-8 to shift, you can check out our website, the5to8shift.com. We'll see you guys next time.